This is the Happen to Your Career Podcast, episode 177. I basically confided in a teacher, a professor, to get healthy because I wanted to get healthy, and it backfired. So in my early 20s, I newly about to be married, all that stuff, had kind of an early midlife crisis at that young age where I had to come clean with the fact that I was at that time an imposter. This has happened to your career. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and then make it happen. Whether you're looking to do your own thing or find your dream job, you've come to the right place. I'm Scott Barlow. I'm an engineer who was living in Portland, Oregon, and was moving up to Seattle, Washington to support my wife's career change. This is Michael. He's made career changes before, but this one was different. A lot of the folks I talked to using sort of my normal channels were often saying, hey, we'd love to have somebody like you on the team. Unfortunately, we just let three or four people just like you go because there's not enough work to go around anymore. Listen for Michael's story later in the episode to learn how he used coaching to help him figure out what fits him and make the change to work he loves. You have somebody in your corner who's looking out for your best interest. They're pushing you to be the best version of yourself and to stretch and grow yourself consistently towards that best self. Hey, this is Scott Anthony Barlow, and you are listening to Happen to Your Career, the show that helps you figure out what work fits you by exploring other stories. Now, we get to bring on experts like Emily Wapnick, who helps people that don't have just one true calling, or people that have really amazing stories, like Michael Bigelow, who's identified big value adds to follow a career path that he was able to grow along. These are people that are just like you. They've gone from where they are to what they really want to be doing. And they're people that are just like our next guest. Carrie Oberuner. I'm an igniter, and what do I do? I ignite souls. So, hey, I'm author, coach, and speaker. I've been a lot of things in my past. We'll probably get into that. My most recent like career move was 12 years, believe it or not, as a leader in a nonprofit. And I felt a little bit claustrophobic. I felt like I had done as much as I could to create change and excitement and vision and I kind of felt capped. And so after much thought and prayer, I went pro with my passion back in 2012 and it has been a fun, wild ride. Carrie and I get deep into why we need to be more authentic. And yeah, I think we all know that, but I think what we don't know is specifically how to do that and just why people are so attracted to the authenticity and what that even means. And even more so, we talk about how to use authenticity to become a winner on social media and some of the other areas where you have right at your right at your fingertips and your your life, I would say, in your work too. And find out what might be stopping many of us from pursuing the career in life we want. And how to overcome that obstacle to become what Carrie calls unhackable. And I love this. Also, the importance of focusing on the transformation and not the transaction itself, especially when it comes to selling yourself and your quote unquote personal brand. I grew up, you know, not with tons of income or intellect. 
I grew up in a blue collar home and, you know, much of my generations of family members do college or anything like that. But anyway, as a young kid, big feeler, big thinker and had a stuttering problem. So, you know, start off school and very early on kids are kids and acceptance was very important to me just being friends with people. But they pick on you, you get made fun of. And so anyway, from a very young age, I basically didn't like speaking. And they sent me to a speech therapist back in the late 70s, early 80s. They said, you got a learning disability. It's probably going to get be much worse. And basically, good luck, you know. Have fun. Yeah. So, you know, they didn't have programs like they do today and the knowledge, they just labeled you and there you were. So anyway, I did go to speech therapy. I did find some help there, but words were never my friend. You know, words were never something that made me strong. They made me weak. And so basically, like any kid in life, we experience pain and I experienced pain, whatever, grandparents dying, this type of thing. So rather than sharing and talking, I got into an addictive negative habit called self-injury. Mm-hmm. where it's starting out as biting as a young child. But then in my teen years, you know, this is before the internet. I certainly didn't want anybody to know. It was a big secret, but I basically became a cutter. And as a young male, that's super common. But I was still an achiever, wrestling team, you know, this type of thing. But I did get addicted to self-injury. And I hid that secret for years, you know, in college, even in my first year of grad school. And everything kind of came to the surface my first year of grad school where I basically confided in a teacher, a professor, to get healthy because I wanted to get healthy. And it backfired. And this professor was not a good person and basically, you know, kicked me out of the program or threatened to. And thankfully, I had somebody stick up for me. I was friends with the vice president. He stuck up for me, you know, and he said, we're going to get you help. And... So in my early 20s, I newly about to be married, all that stuff, had kind of an early midlife crisis at that young age where I had to come clean with the fact that I was at that time an imposter. So let me ask you about that. And I feel like I am woefully ignorant Mm -hmm. about self-injury addiction. So for my benefit and others that are maybe in the same place, what's something that I don't know or would be surprised about. Sure. About that. Yeah. So basically, 15% of young females self injure. It just means like they basically create pain through, it could be a number of things burning, biting, cutting. But what they're doing is they're recreating a painful situation that they can control. So Mm. a lot of times you see self injury when people feel out of control, you know, physiologically it releases endorphins, that type of thing. Sometimes you hear people say, well, I just want to feel something. I feel so dead and numb that I just want to feel alive. You know, I want to, sometimes people say like they want to see themselves bleed or something like that because no one sees their pain on the outside. Yeah. We we live in a world where, oh, how are you doing? Great. Fine. Good. And so you can begin to feel like, gee, everything in my life is fake. Like I'm not okay. 
And self-injury can be a form of you basically trying to be authentic with the fact that you don't feel well. It's not a sign of death and destruction and suicide usually. It's actually a, a coping mechanism that helps you make it, basically. So that's really interesting, particularly to me just because we spend a lot of time on this show talking about how to be more authentic. Yeah. And again, completely naive, I actually didn't realize that those two are related in that way. That's really, really interesting to me. So how on earth did the rest of this happen in terms of you, know, you go from essentially asking for help and getting denied that help, somebody mm-hmm. else steps in and you end up having this very early midlife crisis that yeah. take me through that. What happened for me? So basically, I did go to counseling. And my issue, what it became was, and this will, I think this will help people because I tell people, look, you probably haven't self-injured, but actually all of us self-injure. All of us don't believe our potential. We self-sabotage. Yeah. You know, you just ask anybody, any entrepreneur, anybody will admit to self-sabotage. So how I got through it was... My big thing was God wants perfection. That's what I kind of gravitated toward. And in my opinion, you either gravitate toward religion or rebellion. What do you mean by that? So most humans, in my opinion, say, and then by the way, I'm going to go a little faith on you if that's cool here. Go for it. Take it away. It's cool. So, you know, in my opinion, you will not be a soul on fire unless you have a connection with your creator core, your own core and your community. Otherwise we feel disconnected. And so to feel connected to our creator, well, some people are going to say, you know, by golly, I'll just work my way. I'll just try my hardest and be good and try to be my best. And they work their way. It's called religion. <laughs> you know? And other people say, heck with it. There's no way I can ever be good enough. I'm not going to work my way to be connected with God. Forget this. So they just say, I might as well live it up because I don't have a chance anyway. So then they go toward rebellion. So, you know, if people have ever heard of a story called the prodigal son, I mean, both were basically messed up kids. As it turns out. Yeah. The one who ate it up, drank it up, lived it up, spent all the money. He's always the one that we think is the bad guy. Yeah, but so is the older brother who was a complete jerk and, you know, was basically revealed that the only reason he was being nice to his dad is because he wanted his inheritance too. So my point is this, my crisis of faith, my way of healing was to realize that I can go to God completely pissed off, completely angry, completely upset, because that's what actually starts the healing. So I stopped pretending with people and God, because trust me, Scott, you know, prior to this, you looked at my life on the outside. Oh, this guy's, man, this guy's perfect grades, perfect titles, perfect, whatever, whatever. But on the inside, completely a mess. So what happened was I found incredible healing freedom from being real with how I felt to God and found healing in that situation. A lot of journaling in that time. Words became my friend in that time. 
And I think those were the beginning stages of becoming a writer. That's one of the questions that I was going to ask. How did some of this stuff relate together so that transgression took place from, hey, words are paining me yeah. to words are enabling me? Yeah. Well, this bleeds into business, which I'm sure we'll talk about too. But the reality is if you are an imposter, which by the way, 80% of adults admit to feeling like an imposter at some point in their life. I've done massive research in the imposter syndrome. The rest just don't, won't admit it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. And what is the imposter syndrome? I shouldn't belong. I don't belong here. I shouldn't be here. I don't feel qualified enough. If everyone in this room knew my story, if everybody on this podcast knew what I really did this morning, they would think I'm a loser, whatever. That's the imposter syndrome. And what's funny is that we think that will actually disqualify us in the business world when in reality, it's what actually qualifies you. So what's hilarious, Scott, is I have a doctorate and a master's degree in seminary, meaning like Bible stories. And I have zero formal education in business. And yet I'm asked often to consult with large businesses for business and marketing. And I am very clear with, look, I don't have the credentials. And I think that the fact that I admit that, they're like, dang, this guy's different. He's not pretending. The last guy we had was showing us all of his degrees and he was a jerk. And the fact that this guy's coming in and he's real, I can relate to that. So you become a magnet for the people who really matter. Now you'll repel all the other fake people because they're like, if I get close to this guy, I maybe have to admit my stuff too. But that's why I think our brand has blown up because people are attracted to authenticity. Do you think that there will become a time where authenticity will become more normal? Because right now I think part of the attraction, yeah, at least that I find, we see a lot of the same benefits to our business, I would say, because it's so different right now. But I'm curious what your thoughts are, because you're somebody else who spent a lot of time thinking about this. Mm -hmm. I would love to see it become more normal. Do you think that is a realistic possibility? Well, here's the thing. I think people are too authentic in the worst way. Let me explain. Social media. They say, I'm a business owner, I'm an entrepreneur, or I'm doing a side hustle, or I like clients. Then they go through the line at whatever. McDonald's, who knows? Then they don't get their food right and they quickly pull out their Facebook and they're like, you know, McDonald's sucks and da 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 da. Just what I call victim talk. Victim is are people who lie in bed, blame excuses and denial. So victims lie in bed, blame excuses and denial. Victors take ownership and put their oar in the water and move forward. Ownership, accountability, and responsibility. O A R. I can tell the losers and winners on social media in about two seconds, and so can you. The winners on social media are the people who are adding value to others and exhibiting ownership, accountability, and responsibility. And you might say, how is that even possible? I don't even know anyone like that on Facebook. Yeah, whatever. I'm not the end-all, be-all, but go check out me, okay? And I'm getting tons of responses and reactions from creating value for people. Now, I'm not authentic on social media when I say, you know what, my wife and I just had a fight and you know, she's da 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 da. Look, when you are a business leader, 
or an entrepreneur who has a social media account, you are telling the world, follow me because I know where I'm going. Follow me because I'm getting results. Follow me because I can tell you where to go. Follow me because I know how to help. And when you essentially air your dirty laundry in the name of authenticity, that's not helping you or anyone. So I know it sounds like a paradox, Scott. I'm talking about selective sharing when the context is right. You are not a differentiator when you are authentic online with your rage, anger, disappointment, and frustration. That's not a differentiation. That's what everybody's doing. I'm talking about authenticity that is thoughtful, that is redemptive, that proves a path and a way forward. And I call this, if I can, really quick share, there's three tones for any business, any book, any leader. Well, I would say this even goes so far as you're thinking about this, I'm realizing that 100% of this also applies to any job seeker or a career changer or really any situation where <laughs> where you are formally or informally a leader or somebody that you're going to be looked to for one reason or another or called upon for one reason or another. So yes, please, please share. And I'm super curious about this. Well, and again, that victim and victor was not my own. If something's my own, I'll claim it. Otherwise, I'll tell you who said it, but that one actually you can't track because nobody knows who exactly came up with OAR and BED. But this next one is not mine either. But let me just say this. There's three tones for any book, any social media. By the way, your social media has a tone. Just like a radio station has a genre, your social media has a genre. And if a radio station plays pop, opera, and rap all in one day, they are going to lose all their listeners. Confusion repels, clarity attracts. So if you go to any of my social media, you will see it is on par and on brand with Igniting Souls. It is. That is the radio station I play, Igniting Souls. So much so that if my account ever got hacked, within about three seconds, people would say, that's not Carrie, what happened? But the three voices you can have in any business, any book, are Sage, Sherpa, and Struggler. Sage is the style that you basically say, I've arrived, I know the secrets, I found the path, I found the holy grail, I found the elixir, whatever. Come sit at my feet and I will share my knowledge with you. People like that are an Oprah, a Tony Robbins, a Jack Welch. Those are the people who present themselves as sages. Other people present themselves as Sherpas. Sherpas are people who say, you know what, I was stuck. I did have problems. I didn't know where I was going, but I found a way. I got up the mountain, it's a shortcut, and let me show you how to get there faster. That's the style of business, that's the style of books that I write, Sherpa. Then the third one is Struggler. Struggler says, I see a problem, I have no idea how to fix it, but if you also see this problem, and if you wanna learn together, let's figure it out. And that would be books like Blue Like Jazz, just to borrow one, Donald Miller's book, where he basically was like, you know, there's a problem with religion today and I see a problem and I'm willing to call everybody out and I don't have a solution, but come on with me and we'll find a way together. And those books work as well. You can have any approach, but what you get slammed for is if you pretend you're a sage and you're really a struggler, you will get lit up. Tell me why. 
People don't want imposters. If you say, I've been there, I've done this, I figured everything out, come sit at my feet, and people do a little digging on social media, which just the other day, something showed up on my Facebook feed. High school girls discover with detective work, principals' credentials are fraud, whatever, something like that. And guess what? She got fired. And she presented herself as, oh, I, I've been there, I've done this school, I got it all figured out, I should be the principal, and she got called out. She's done. So that's the only place where you get nailed. If people can accept struggler if that's how you come off. And I think if you're a sage and you come off as a struggler, people will call that out too. Because they're like, this dude can't relate. This person can't relate to my pain. They're being fake. They're placating me. I'm an engineer who was living in Portland, Oregon, and was moving up to Seattle, Washington to support my wife's career change. Remember, Michael? We already told you that he'd made some career changes before, but this one in particular, it was different. A lot of the folks I talked to using sort of my normal channels were often saying, hey, we'd love to have somebody like you on the team. Unfortunately, we just let three or four people just like you go because there's not enough work to go around anymore. Michael realized that this was not an opportunity for a change in location. This could be not just a lateral move from one city to another, but it could have the opportunity to be a promotion as well, leading projects to potentially leading teams of technical people. And that has sort of been where I wanted to be for a long time. As we worked with him, he began to explore a much bigger picture. It wasn't just about finding a job. It was about finding my place in a community and being able to show folks that I wasn't there just to just to find something. I was interested in our conversation beyond the Mike needs a place to land in Seattle. He put in the work to really connect with people and made it happen. As we're speaking now, I'm sitting in my new apartment, having unpacked most of it in a gap week between when I left my old job and when I'm starting my new job. Congratulations to Michael on finding work he loves that fits his family's needs. If you also want to figure out what work fits you and find that fulfilling career that lights you up and gives you purpose, find out how coaching can help you step by step. Go to happentoyourcareer.com and click on coaching to apply or pause right now and text my coach to 44222. Again, you can just pause right now and we'll send over the application. Text my coach to 44222. And what was wonderful about working with the Happen to Your Career team was that I was able to learn so much about how to go from good to great in that, that career transition. So if people are thinking about their social media and how their accounts project themselves or create perceptions, mm -hmm. and they're really just getting started and even thinking about this in this particular way, like projecting an intentional perception versus accidental, or mm -hmm. I don't know, substitute another word here that's in between accidental and intentional, but something other, how would you advise them to get started? Like, What are a couple of ways that they can think about this slightly differently in between going directly to Sage, Sherpa, and Struggler? How can they immediately make a major difference? Number one, alignment. You got to get the radio station genre right. Meaning, look, most people's social media, I'm being silly, but this is how it goes. My dogs are so cute. Then it's, I hate what's going on right now with politics. And then it's like, love this video about cats. And then going to the monster truck show tonight. And then it's, hey, I, I got a business. If you're interested in my coaching, private message me. 
And then it's, I'm just so sick of Starbucks not serving hot coffee. Like that's people's normal social media. And what I'm saying is like social media today is your personal TV station. It's called Facebook Live or YouTube. It's your own PR firm. It's called Twitter. It's your own publishing company. It's called WordPress. Like you have everything today that 30 years ago people would have died for. They would have needed to be big business to do it. So the fact that you have all these tools and the fact that you're not clear, that's a dangerous game. I would rather have people stop, take a hiatus from social media, rebrand themselves, understand what their brand is. I mean, we do this with Dream Job Boot Camp and many of our programs. But we say clarity attracts, confusion repels. And you will keep repelling people inadvertently or intentionally the more you just attach your social media to your brain without doing the important task of thinking. So this is really interesting to me. I'm thinking about this for lots of different uses. For example, right now we're hiring for two new team members and we are going through and we're looking at their social media accounts right now and learning almost stream of consciousness flow in a lot of cases, oh, yeah. like what you're talking about, about them as people. So we are getting a level of authenticity, but possibly not the level of authenticity that they right. intend on sharing with us. In another example, this is something that we use all the time too for, geez, a variety of different reasons, reaching out to other companies that we want to partner with or collaborate with or mm -hmm. whatever else it happens to be. We just sent a gift to somebody the other day based on what she had on her social media because she took the time to interact with us and we learned a whole bunch of stuff. Maybe some of the things she didn't want us to learn, I don't know, Oh yeah, from her social media. But it seems to me that just from a very, very small amount of intention like you're talking about in really trying to determine what type of channel is it in the first place? At a minimum, do you want to project jazz versus R&B and at least making that decision? Then that's going to cause a major difference in every aspect because people have access to it. And I think that's both a powerful thing and a detractor, as we're finding yeah. in some of the cases for 40 job applications and a bunch of people that had reached out to us for one position. And, sure. and a whole bunch of those people are not going to progress in the process because of some of that. Yeah. I mean, you go to my website, carryoverburner.com, immediately you have what's called my VPS, my value proposition statement. And what I tell people is that your value proposition statement is essentially, think of yourself as a drive-through restaurant. When people go to your website, they're essentially going through your drive-through window and they're shouting, Hey, I heard you might be able to help me. What do you serve here? You know, in other words, hey, I hear you serve food here. What do you have? If the person taking your order has to turn around and you hear them say to their coworker, the guy wants to know what we serve. I don't know. What should I tell him? What are you going to do at that window? <laughs> You're going to drive away. Probably. You're going to be like, what the heck? These people don't even know what they serve. What's going on here? Unfortunately, if I told most people, I'm going to be honest, even most of your listeners, why? Because your listeners are amazing and if they are like the majority of the population, most people don't know what they serve. Meaning if I had $1,000 and I said, Scott told me I need to hire you, that you can help me, what can you help me do? I have $1,000. Most people do not know what they would say. They don't have clarity. 
And when you don't have clarity on what you're going to help a potential client do, they're not going to hire you. And so on my website, it says I am an author, coach, and speaker. By the way, the VPS formula, I'll tell it to you, then I'll tell you mine. I am a blank who helps blank do or understand blank so that blank. That's it. I'm a blank who helps blank do or understand blank so that blank. That's your VPS. That's your value proposition statement. That's why you make income because you're creating value for someone in those areas. So mine is I'm an author, coach, and speaker who helps individuals and organizations clarify, that's what I'm selling, clarity, who they are, why they're here, and where they're going so they can become a soul on fire, experience unhackability, and share their message with the world. Scott, what the secret sauce is in there is that I literally have a product or service for each word in that sentence. So when I say I'm an author, boom, you go to Amazon, I'm right there. When it says I'm a coach, boom, I have programs. I'm a speaker, you can hire me. And then who you are, identity, why you're here, purpose, and where you're going, direction. So every one of my VPS statements has a product or service tied to it. That's where you can build a very cool life, very cool business. Let's talk about that for a little bit. And this yep. might be a good time to actually shift gears because speaking of building a great life, building a very cool life or a very cool business or very cool anything for that matter. One of the things that you had mentioned earlier as we were chatting was the concept of one of the biggest things that stops us from that is really ourselves, right? And these struggles that we experience. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to come back and ask you about that idea of, first of all, what is stopping us? And mm -hmm. what does that actually look like? What do you mean by that? Yeah. And then second of all, you mentioned this idea of unhackability. And I really want to dig into that a bit as well. Sure. Most people are getting stopped because they're thinking about themselves. Now, I know that sounds really weird. That sounds like, well, what do you mean? I don't think I'm good enough. Yeah. Who are you focusing on? Right, right there. Yourself. In other words, I've picked up clients at coffee shops, at parks pushing my daughter on the swing and they're pushing their daughter on the swing. I have a term that's called show up, filled up. Show up, filled up. It means that everywhere you go, you are full. Meaning you do not go into any relationship or exchange empty. People feel that. I've picked up $5,000 clients on an airplane sitting next to a complete stranger. Why? Because I showed up, filled up. And I said, how you doing? And she said, great. And I said, where are you going to? Ohio. She said, I was just at a conference. Oh, really? Tell me about it. Comes out that she's at a conference and she wants to someday return to the conference as a speaker. Well, what's holding you back? A book. Really? I'm an author coach. Really? I've been working on a book. I keep getting stuck. Really? How about we, in the remaining flights, come up with your title, subtitle, and table of contents? And she's like, you could seriously do that? Absolutely. What I had to do is shut off my phone, shut off my computer, sit there and give value to this woman for two hours. And guess what? I showed up, filled up. She purchased. She bought. That's how you do sales. Sales is not, oh, crap, if I give my best statement, they'll know that I have nothing else to give. You know, if I give my best away for free, then no one will buy from me. That's scarcity thinking. So what I'd love people to do, Scott, is to show up filled up. And that means focus on the person in front of you. They have a name. They have fears. They have dreams. They have desires. And guess what? You have massive skills. Every one of your listeners is a guru and an expert at something. But here's the problem. They're too familiar with it. 
they think it's too easy. No one would, what do you mean people don't know how to do interior decorating? Everybody knows how to do that. What I want your listeners to do is say, what if at least three people asked me for advice on? That probably is a business. What it illustrates is there's a need out there. People assume that you are credible. You are credible. That's why they're asking you for advice. And all you need to do is find a way how to monetize it. And most of us are scared to death to ask for money and to talk to strangers because that's what we were told as kids. Don't talk to strangers and don't ask people for money. (laughs) Then we say, oh, go out in the business world. (laughs) Go talk to strangers and And go make money. By the way. (laughs) Yeah. You see? So we have this psychological repellent from what we think is that guy or that girl who appears salesy. Here's what I tell people. Selling is serving. Selling is serving and marketing is storytelling. So I ask people, can you tell stories and can you serve people? And if they say yes, I say you would be an awesome in sales and marketing. I think that's true for nearly everything that requires any amount of sales, which most things do. Yes. Everybody is in the sales business, even parents trying to get their kids to eat green beans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bring on something else when that airplane is not working. (laughs) Right. So why are all of us so resistant then to those pieces or why are more of us not relating those those two together? Why are we resistant to those, you say? Yeah, particularly the selling. And I mean, we, we just mentioned that, I guess, from early on, we're told not to talk to strangers. By the way, I mentally celebrate that conversation with my daughter the other day that says, no, here's how you talk to strangers. So there you go. That's cool. That's really cool. I think that we don't really believe that we have value. That's what it comes down to. Look, if you honestly, if you honestly had a cure for cancer, would you say, well, you know, I know Billy over there has cancer and I know he's dying, but gee, he might not like what I tell him. He might be offended. He might reject me. Maybe I should just keep that secret about cancer to myself and let him go through chemotherapy again. No. You would be like, no, especially if you had a loved one die of cancer. You would say, I don't want anyone to go through that. And you would be focused on them, not you. Too many of us, we don't think that there is a cancer. We don't think we have a cure. And we are focused on ourselves and our own inability. And that's why we get hacked, you know, in that language that I use. So how do you get over that? What can you do about it? Yeah, I'll tell you how I got over it. I said, I'm just going to stop judging myself. When I am talking with someone, this was early in my quote, you know, five years of going pro. I said, because again, the stakes were high. My wife was not one of these, hey, Carrie, you can do anything. I'm going to go support you quitting your job and you just go make it happen and you can do anything. She was like, you better bring in the money because we got three kids and we are turning down health insurance and a mortgage and you better make it happen. You know, I mean, so I married a truth teller and I needed that. So very nervous. Stakes are very high for me. I did a side hustle. I teach that in my book called Day Job to Dream Job. I don't think if you can that you should just do the romantic thing that never works and just say, well, I'm quit my job and I'll go figure it out. I don't think that's smart because you haven't developed the character yet of a side hustle. Change of location doesn't mean change of the person. You need to become the person worthy of your dream job. 
while you're in your day job. But anyway, long story short, I stopped judging myself. And when I was sitting with a potential client and I said, oh my gosh, how am I coming off right now? Am I sounding stupid? What does this person need? My mind's starting to go blank. I'm getting nervous. I'm coming to the money party. He's probably going to say no. I feel awkward. All I said was, isn't that interesting? That's the phrase I said, Scott. So I said, isn't that interesting? Just when I'm about to help this guy and lead him in a deeper relationship through a coaching program that I start to get nervous. Isn't that interesting? And all I did was acknowledged the fear. I didn't judge it, push it down. That makes you focus on it. So I would encourage people just as simple as saying, isn't that interesting? Use that phrase next time you feel yourself getting hacked and losing focus. People don't want to be sold. People want to be helped. Raise the objections before they can. And when you do that and you're not tied to the outcome, people feel it. I always put a guarantee on our products that actually creates more sales. If people can write down these six words, we call this the deeper path payoff. It says income's never the problem. Everyone says income's the problem. Well, how am I going to make the money? Income's never the problem. It all starts with clarity. I'm going to say six words. I'm going to tell you how they all flow from the other. Clarity produces competence. Once you're clear, you know what you're good at. You're competent. That produces confidence. So you have clarity, competence, confidence. Once you have those three things, people are like, hmm, I'm going to listen. They're going to pay attention. Notice our currency today is not money, it's attention. So they're going to pay attention. Now you are influencing them, which then allows you to impact them, which then allows you to gain income. So the six words are deeper path payoff, clarity, competence, confidence, influence, impact, income. That's how every sale works. And when people focus on the money, they're focusing on the transaction rather than the transformation. Kerry, let me pull you back for just a second because I'm really curious and I don't want us to lose it. What happens after you stop judging yourself and you're using this phrase, isn't that interesting? Yeah. To create this unhackability for yourself. Crazy story. It's a movie analogy, but those are the best ones. You know, in the movie Inception, Leonardo DiCaprio basically plays this guy who goes inside of dreams to steal dreams. And once he was in the dream, everything was cool. Everything was cool. He was operating inside the dream. No one knew he was trying to steal the dream. When he started to think about it, then everything got weird and all the people in the dream turned on him and basically wanted to tear him apart. So what I'm saying is that acknowledging, isn't that interesting, allows you to refocus on the client in front of you. That's what I'm talking about. I'm saying, well, when you say, oh crap, I'm starting to think about my voice and do I sound confident in this moment, you've immediately left the scene. The client feels that. The client says, whoa, where did my potential coach go? You cannot be in two places at once. You're inside your head right now judging yourself about your effectiveness. You've lost the client. Imagine a brain surgeon doing that. A brain surgeon playing Xbox while he's doing brain surgery. No one would do that. <laughs> Horrible doctor. But that's what we do. We go play around with our self-limiting beliefs and say, well, you know, I think the client won't even realize it. No, you don't judge, and but you show up filled up. You refocus on the client in front of you and play a trick. 
see how many times I can count the word that they say, you know, the forces you to focus, whatever. But people can tell that creates confidence. A guy who was in the room with Paula Abdul and she wanted to hire potential people and every guy walked in trying to sell her. Oh, you should hire me because I did this, 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 this project, this project, da, 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 da. My friend walked up to her, sat close to her and said, Paula, in fact, didn't even sit closer, sat like knelt down eye level and looked her in the eye and said, Paula, what do you need? That's the one she hired. People do not want all the credentials. They want to know that you care, that you're listening and that you will help them. So I love that for a whole variety of reasons. But shifting that focus, or I know there's a term for it, and for whatever reason, it's escaping me right now, but inserting that trigger point in there where you've made the decision in advance to, first of all, observe as opposed to judge, and Mm -hmm. then giving yourself the freedom to practice that by inserting that that question of, hey, isn't that interesting? Isn't And acknowledging when that's happening. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's really the first step to being able to change any type of unconscious behavior or emotion or anything else. So absolutely love that. And then shifting that focus to other people and focusing on, it sounds like how you can help. Yeah. Selling is serving. Awesome. Hey, I really, really appreciate that. I really appreciate you taking the time today and being able to take us through your story and Mm -hmm. share a few anecdotes too. I love this stuff. But I'm really curious for other folks that are very interested in in getting more carry, where can they find out more about you and what you do and some of the things that we've mentioned today? Yeah. So carryoverrunner.com is where you can find out a lot of things. That's where everything is. If people say, hey, you know, I want to learn more about books, it's carryoverrunner.com slash book. But I'm just excited what you're doing, Scott. I'm very passionate about helping people close the gap between their ideas and implementing. And that's our unhackability thing. And we do have a free assessment people can take at elixirprojectbook.com. Elixirprojectbook.com. That's my fiction book. It was super fun to write. And it's a metaphor for how many of us get hacked by our own self-limiting beliefs and how to close that gap. Very cool. We will have all of those in the show notes. You can go over to happenyourcareer.com slash 179 and check out all that plus quite a bit more. Thank you, Carrie, so much. I really, really appreciate you taking the time and making time. This has been awesome. Hey, thanks for having me and keep doing your amazing work, Scott. I appreciate you. Hey, I just want to say thank you so much for all those folks that have been leaving us ratings and reviews and the five star, five star trend continues. This is, this is so much fun for me. Uh, haven't found another podcast out there. I'm sure there probably are some, but I haven't found one yet that has uh, nothing but five star reviews and has more than like, I don't know, 10 or 15 or 20 or 50 or something like that. So I really, really appreciate so many of you taking the time to leave us five star reviews from all over the globe, by the way, not just, not just in the US where I'm based out of and our team's based out of, but all over the globe. So that is, that is awesome. That 
that makes me happy. I very much appreciate that. And I want to read you just another one that uh, that popped up here. This one says the only podcast you should be following if you're changing careers by IMS 609 or LMS 609. Not sure which. HTYC was a game changer for me. Scott is a down to earth interviewer and his guests have incredibly interesting and insightful stories. No matter what your career dilemma, there is an episode that addresses it. Scott genuinely cares about helping others, and this production quality is also top-notch, making for an enjoyable listen. Hey, I really appreciate all the kind words, and thank you for taking the moment to share. And if you do take a moment to share, by the way, you might find yourself, you might find us mentioning you as the next five-star review on one of our episodes. But this, this even more so than that, you taking a moment actually helps other people find, find and get to the Happen to Your Career podcast. That way we can make a big dent in this world of people that want to do work that they love and fits them. So that way we can reach more. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Hey, let's take a listen on what we have coming up next week on Happen to Your Career because we've got a good one. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting that really smart, really talented, really capable people still make some of the same mistakes or hit some of the same stumbling blocks that folks in all the other professions and doing all kinds of applications do. And I think that that was a great indicator for us that there are some key principles that differentiate the good from the great, that if you can identify these, incorporate these and practice these in your own application process as you're looking for jobs, you'll be able to distinguish yourself and stand out Hey, thanks again. Really appreciate you taking the time, making the time, and we'll see you next week right here on HTYC. I am out. Adios. Mm-hmm.